Can you believe that this is our last episode of this season of podcasting? See, that is unbelievable. So many podcasts, they say last about five episodes, and we've been here for five years. (laughs) I don't know why I think that's funny. I think we're just stubborn. But go us. Shall we get started? Episode 52, the last one of season five. Welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana, where I have a suburban garden measured in square feet. It's about a third of an acre. And I'm Dean Ash from Guthrie, Oklahoma, where I garden one and a half acres out of seven and a half that are way, well, they used to be way out in the country, but you know what? The city is starting to encroach. That's another topic for another day. It is. We call ourselves Gardenangelists because we are evangelists for gardening. We love gardening and we want others to love it too. Oh, yes, we do. And we aren't afraid to spill the beans and tell all of our gardening secrets, the good, the bad, and often the ugly. But that's enough of who, what, when, where. Let's move on to this week's episode. Carol, what did you do in your garden this week? Well, before you say what did you do in the garden this week, I still laugh about these people that live way south of Greenwood. Then it's like, we are way out in the country. They had sheep and all that stuff. Target's next door. (laughs) Yeah, well, we're getting there because, you know, for years we were, I mean, really far out in the country. I mean, 20 minutes from town, any way you go, right? Any town. But Edmund has been creeping slowly toward us, which is the, you know, high-end suburban part of the town, suburbia. And then Guthrie is creeping south. So people, this is my opinion, people who can't afford to live in Edmond are starting to move out here because, you know, they can afford a bigger place or whatever. And it's funny. Well, that's another whole story, but it's funny to listen to the Edmondites and the Guthrieites argue on next door. That's all I'm going to say. There you go. It's funny. Anywhere you go to, yes, it's it's, anyway. So (laughs) Monday, the day before Thanksgiving, they they came and closed down the irrigation system for the season, which was perfect timing because we had a very hard freeze on Halloween morning. It was over. It was all she wrote. Everything was done. Mm -hmm. And there were quite a few shrubs like the hydrangeas. I think that we didn't. We went from like moderately cold to cold. And those hydrangeas look terrible, but I, I, I'm I, assuming they will be fine. They probably will be. So I have pulled the annuals out of the front. So that looks a little bit nicer. And then I started vegetable garden cleanup. And I have this really bad habit of waiting until Thursday morning, which is when the trash collectors come. And I want to get this stuff in the trash because I don't want to harbor diseases in my compost. So I pay play this little game of race the trash man and i quickly (laughs) filled up two bags full of stuff from the garden and got them in the bins right before they they showed up to get them so anyway inside the microgreens are growing pretty well and i will cut the first of them for salads today or tomorrow i have to confess i bought some microgreens good now you need to go i wrote a blog (laughs) post this morning about microgreens i'm not gonna say anything because you have been you know, ridiculing me. I just didn't want, no, not ridiculing. I've not been ridiculing. It's just, you're a little obsessed, but that's okay. I mean, I'm obsessed with things. Anyway, Anyway, I did write a blog post. You did about microgreens? Okay. With my tips for growing them. Yes. I read that actually. It was really good. Thank you. What about your garden this week? 
We also got a really hard freeze. It was 25 degrees Sunday night. And so I would say goodbye Crotons, but you know what? They're right up next to the house and actually they came through it. They're still, they're still alive. I don't know how, but they are. So I'm going to water them today and they'll probably make it all the way through Thanksgiving because we're supposed to be nice until then. So Bill and I raced around on Saturday and Sunday trying to get everything pulled in because we knew that we were going to get this hard freeze, which is a little early for us. And so we took all the hoses off of the faucets and we took all of the others, brought brought a lot of things into the greenhouse. I did not have time to bring in cuttings and I'm okay with that. I brought in all of my pelargoniums, my cacti, my other succulents, my begonias, things I really care about. And then, oh, and I got rid of the orange tree, sort of, which was in our last. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't really get it. rid of it. Yeah. No, it's I, I did. It's No, it's not yeah. still here. It's, it's coming back. It's in the back. office now. No, it's not. It is not coming back. In fact, my son came over the other day and I said, throw that tree away. He goes, yeah, I tried to water it. And he goes, all the water ran out of the bottom. And I was like, Brennan, of course it did. It's not an indoor house plant. <laughs> Anyway, my husband took it to work. So I brought in my two, I only have two citrus trees left and they're both lemon trees and I brought them in. And let's see, what else did I say on here? I gave my little McCoy planters, you know, those cute little planters that are in I those do. pastel shades. I, I gave those some. to Ruth at Oklahoma Garden Vintage and she gave me some flower frogs that are sweet because I'm going to make a little Christmas tree of flower frogs and like hers and I've got a picture of it. What else did I want to say? I want to see oh, a picture of the uh, flower okay. frog tree. I will I will put it in our newsletter. All right. So the last thing is I don't feel bad about not taking cuttings because I'm going to start quite a few seeds in there. And also I'm, maybe that I'll slow down the mealybugs. It possibly could slow down the mealybugs. Because coleus are mealybug mad- magnets. Mealy, that's hard to say. Mealybug magnets. There and I didn't bring any in. You know, you can buy good sun coleus now. Back in the day, you couldn't find the ones you wanted, right? But now they're cheap, so I didn't bring them in. That's it. What are you going to, what else you got to say about your garden? Playing favorites this week? Let's play favorites. So I, I went out, I guess it was on Wednesday, and the saffron crocus is blooming. Only one bloom came back this year, and I noticed I had a picture from 2021 where there were three so this this may be it. If I want more, probably going to have to buy some more corms. But it's blooming out there, and I figured out that one of those red threads is worth about a nickel. And yes, each one, I read that blog post. Each that one has funny. yeah each each one has three <sighs> threads, red threads. So each one is each flower is worth fifteen cents. Yeah, I have some up in my cabinet. I don't use it very often, but I sure do like saffron. It's beautiful. I mean, if you do a lot of Indian cooking, you're going to use either turmeric or saffron. But the point is, it's a beautiful flower and it blooms, you know, at the very end of October, beginning of November. Mm-hmm. What else is blooming for the first time right now? Not much. Not in your garden. I still nope. have Sheffield daisies that are just the prettiest they've ever been. And I'm also got a Clara Curtis that's the prettiest it's ever been. It's been a good year. Good fall, even though we had some cold. So you want to hear what my favorite is? I do. All right. So it is a green, it's Greenways Euphorbia. And it, I'm going to do its <laughs> I'm going to do its Latin name. Euphorbia Greenway Eye, Greenway Eye, subspecies 
Greenway eye. That always makes me laugh because why? Why is it subspecies? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? All right, so I bought this from Steve Owens at Bustani, and I was just going to say, and this is not an ad for him, but I love this plant because it's blue with charcoal spikes, and I'll take a picture of it. It's grown really well in a terracotta pot, and every, well, except one, every single succulent I have bought from Steve has thrived in my garden. Good deal. And that's not true of all succulents that you grow in Oklahoma. Some of them don't like it here, and I don't blame them. Sometimes I don't like it here either. There are very few succulents that grow in Indiana, in outside. I can't, I'm trying to think what they would be. Well, you'd put them in pots. If you grew them in pots, they would. Yeah. Oh yeah. We all grow succulents in pots. I was thinking about, are you putting this in the greenhouse in the winter? Oh, heavens. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was thinking. Yeah, it's but, not like- but you know, there are a lot of succulents that I could grow in pots that don't like it here because we get those you know, torrential rains in the spring sometimes. And then they just go, we don't want that rain. And then it gets really, really hot. But these, the ones I bought with it from him over the years, except for that one pickle one, I couldn't grow that one. But all the others, they've done really well. Well, good. Well, you'll have to send me a picture for the newsletter. It's so pretty. You'll want one. Okay. It's kind of spiky, but it's blue. I didn't think you liked it. Hey, wait, 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 wait. I don't like spiky, but I like blue. Blue is my favorite color. You are wearing blue today. No, it's got green in it. It's, this is green. Yeah, but it's blue. It's, it's green. It's got a whole lot of blue. It's green. I see that there's a nice dark green square, but you have on blue too. Maybe it's not. You kind of look like my second. Maybe it's not me. Spikes. How about I do a quote? <laughs> Alternate Carol will now do a quote. A gardener learns not to grasp onto changing things, but to let go and embrace whatever happens next. Mark. Hamer in Spring Rain, A Life Lived in Gardens. That is the book we talked about last week. We thought that was a good quote. Yes, and we thought it was a great quote. And if I could convince my garden coaching clients to do this, this would be really good because a lot of them really, really want perfection. And what do we learn in the garden pretty quickly, Carol? That you can't have perfection in a garden. No, it's always and, changing. So our but before flower, we do what? that, I have a couple of neighbors that need this quote because they covered some stuff before the big freeze, but then we had a big freeze the next morning and the next morning. Now it is going to warm up, but I, I, I kind of think it wasn't warm enough to, or the under the cover wasn't warm enough. Probably not, unless there was still some residual heat from not the much. ground, you know, and they covered all the way to the ground. I anyway. All right. So. Our favorite flower topic discussions from season five. Yes. So we were thought we're this is kind of a look back episode. So for whatever reason, I seem to talk a lot about violas and pansies. Yes, you do. I do like them. I like them in the spring. I like them in the fall. And so one of the things that has happened, D, is there is a new pansy that I must find. And I watched via GardenCom, Diane Blazik from National Garden Bureau did a whole rundown of new varieties coming out in 2024. These not these aren't all all America's selections necessarily, but breeders and growers and stuff send her the information so she can get us primed to look for these varieties in the future. There is a pansy coming out called Delta Pro. 
And she said, and I quote, it's supposed to be hardy to zone 5B, 4B, which means I think in the ground, it could overwinter here. Now, in the dead of winter, January into February, I don't think it's going to be blooming wildly. But if it survives that and kind of comes back, I need that. I need it. So I grow a lot of the other Delta pansies I have in the past. There's a whole bunch of them, a whole series. And I've grown a bunch of them. And they are really good pansies. And they are really tough and pretty hardy. I will say that pansies, even in Oklahoma, pansies of violas will overwinter most of the time. But they look like hell. They look like hell. In spring. And what you have to do is take off all that dead full, you know, all the dead foliage, everything, fertilize them, water them good, water them well, sorry. And then they will bounce back. And I had some. And then I also interspersed some fresh ones too. I'm really telling this for our listeners. So do I think it's possible? You said you had some that did? Yeah, I had some last year. I mean, they were just ones I bought at the greenhouse. I don't really know their variety, but they... They kind of overwintered, and exactly like you said, they looked terrible for quite a while. And then when spring came, I kind of cleaned them all up, and they were in the ground, not in mm-hmm. containers. So I did not bother fertilizing them or anything. And then they kind of came back on their own, and they hung out there until it got hot, and then they were done. So one of the reasons that people are encouraged here to grow pansies in the fall and let them overwinter is they develop a really good root system. because. A lot of times in Oklahoma, we don't get super cold until January. It just depends on the year. And if I could say anything about gardening here, and it's probably that way where you live too. It just depends. It all depends. It (laughs) all depends. I did like what you wrote in here about how she sent you a picture of it in a hanging basket. But obviously, that would not overwinter. No, it needs to be in the ground to overwinter, I think. I think it does too, because any basket, well, any pot is two zones colder and hanging baskets, they're probably two and a half to three because they get all the air exactly. flow you know, around them and they're in the air, which is not good. I can't imagine a hanging basket making it at all. So that was interesting. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting. You sent me a text last week saying that our discussion about monk's hood, the flower that we would not grow because it's so poisonous had generated quite a bit of discussion on Facebook. A lot, a lot on Facebook. And we got an email through the gardenangelus at gmail.com and which you forwarded to me. Cause right now Gmail has you signed into that account instead of me. Have you ever noticed it switches us back and forth? Uh, kind of whoever's yeah, it's weird. So sometimes I get the email. Sometimes Carol does. And sometimes neither one of us, because sometimes it signs us out. Okay, so the email is from Gabrielle, and she grows several cultivars in her garden of monkshood. And And she talked about the Alnwick garden in the UK, which is planted up with poisonous plants. I think I've been there. I think you would know. But I forgot to go and look. No, I've been to too many gardens over there, you know, because I go Well, they they have a YouTube video, which maybe we'll find. And they show the gates being locked and the guy's all in a hazmat suit when he goes in there. Now, I don't think it's that bad. No, I have not been to this garden yet. Okay. No, all right. No, I no, think no. you would have remembered it. I don't I don't think I've been to this one. It's really pretty right now. 
I, I just looked it up. Oh, I see. So they just have a section of the garden that is the poison right. garden. That's hilarious. I kind of love yeah. that. There are a lot of poisonous plants and monkshood is poisonous. So don't yeah. eat and it. And in the book Spring Rain by Mark Hamer, he he talks yeah. about monkshood. He discovers it in the garden where they his parents are renting a house and he's kind of taken over the garden shed in the garden when he was a young lad. And he discovers mm. monkshood in an encyclopedia that he found in the garden shed. And then he sees that it's grown in the garden and he knows it is poisonous. So I could tell a spoiler here, but go ahead. I want to hear it. Well, in his, in his young lad mind, when he thinks about his father, the angry dog and how monkshood is poisonous, he thinks, (laughs) he thinks about, yeah, but he never does. (laughs) He he never, he never does. That's the spoiler alert because that's kind of this thread through the garden is, he has monkshood, and then he also read that rhubarb leaves were poisonous. So he mixed the two together mm-hmm. in a jar, and he had a jar of black stuff <laughs> that was poisonous. <laughs> but when they moved to the seaside, his box that contained like the treasures he'd found from that garden shed, including that jar, was mysteriously not not brought over with all the family things. Another thing <laughs> that Angry Dog did. But anyway, let's talk about a happier flower. Zinnias. Oh, gosh, D, I cannot. You have ordered and gotten a bunch of seeds. I cannot wait to order these newer, softer colors. Oh, my gosh, Carol. I think I have 20 packets of seed because I just couldn't stop myself over the summer. That one, Zinnias.com, they, Zinniaseeds.com, I think. She, she has cultivated a bunch and you can actually get them. Like you sent me a deal from Florette today, which is her heavy metal series. And of course, heavy metals is not out yet. And she was, she was kind of, she's promoted it several times, but then she says, it's not ready yet. And I go, well, well, I'm going to look again, a mix of, has she changed? Well, I think a mix of seeds from heavy metal might be available, but she hasn't parsed out individual colors. Well, it wasn't available when I ordered seeds from Florette just recently. So she may have put one out, but she also said that that was her only seed sale, but maybe she's changed her mind on that too. We all can change our minds. It's okay. I mean, I'm not criticizing. I'm going to have to go look. But but let me tell you if she has you, if you find out she does. And I don't tell you. You're going to text me immediately. Yeah, I'll be very upset. I will text you immediately. (laughs) Oh, and that reminds me tomorrow is Sunflower Steve's big Rembrandt sale. And so, so that's this might be people's no, chance, because right? This no. episode's not coming out till next Wednesday. You all missed so it. So if you want to I'm alert sorry. them, you need to go to the Facebook to the Garden Angelus Garden Club page. I'll go to the and let yeah, people know that tell them. I'll also put it on my Instagram because he he wrote about it the other day. He's been trying to trying to let people know how long did it take him to sell out last about year? He didn't have minutes. as many. Yeah, and Carol got us how many I packets? Got six, five? five or six, six, and I got a packet and I grew them and then I saved all. I my saved seeds. a bunch of seeds as well, just to get for my own garden. Really, maybe give. Yeah, just yeah. for us. We're not selling them. That's yeah. Steve's deal. No, no, we wouldn't take it away from Steve. We love Steve. Okay, so back to zinnias. What else do you well, want to I say about them? Say, we talked a lot about sunflowers and zinnias and violas, old fashioned. I, I want to say that rain. zinnia and gustafolia. Lasted right up until mm-hmm. the freeze, was blooming strongly right up until the freeze. And so I'm going to go get some more. And it's the Crystal Series. 
they have white, yellow, and maybe orange. I don't know, but I'm going to get some more. I think of it those. is white, yellow, and orange. And I think those will be the only zinnias I plant around the mailbox. Just a big. Well, they're the right yes. height. They're short, and then which is the great, Zahara. Right? The shorter Zahara, they get about eight, eight to twelve. They did really well. I, I don't love those. They did really well. I'm sorry. I, they did really well. I have a spot for them. So I like elegans, which they're is what the you like those are big tall ones. Yeah. I do. I like big, tall, boisterous. Flowers. I do, but I need these shorter and, ones. And for Jen, edging. and Jen, I agree. I completely agree. And I don't mind those as much as the short ones that have the giant flowers on That's them. That's like the profusion. They just, yeah, they don't do too well here. Oh. They, they are kind of murky. Anyway, Jen is trying to talk me into growing some plugs of Lysianthus and some other things. And I might do it. But at the same time, I was thinking about starting them from seed to see if I can get them going because I've got to do a talk for the Oklahoma Museum of Art in the spring about a cut flower garden. Did I tell you that? I, I think you did. I have a lot of talks coming up. I have one in two weeks in Arkansas. I have one Wednesday of this week. I'm speaking to local master gardeners. Oh, congrats. Good for you. Okay, anything else we want to say about flowers other than we love weird sunflowers, weird zinnias? I'm in love with Lysianthus, which any viola and pansy. And any, well, most. I'm not in love with all of them, but I like a lot of them. Do that next quote. There are far better things ahead than any we leave behind. C.S. Lewis, one of our favorites. Yes. And so let's talk about our favorite vegetable topics from season five. Okay. So I will not say the word microgreens first, but that, obviously that's a big winter topic. Just did. Oh, oops, my bad. <laughs> I think we spent a lot of time talking about tomatoes and peppers. peppers. We both grew a lot. Eggplant. I didn't grow any eggplant this herbs. year. I do grow a few herbs. I grew, I grew four and they did okay. I grew four Asian eggplants. You know, none of my vegetable garden did very well this year, and I haven't really figured out what the deal was. Well, I know what my deal was. May was completely dry. June and July were okay. Got dry again in August, and that was my problem. I I know for a fact. Well, I kind of had the opposite problem. It rained and rained and rained some more. It It rained until August, and then it turned off hot. So maybe that was the problem. I will say the tomatoes did pretty well. And we talk a lot about tomatoes because there's a lot to talk about because there's cherry tomatoes, salad size, sandwich side, whether you grow heirlooms or disease resistant hybrids, do you grow pole or bush? Or as I say, which I like those terms. Yeah. I say indeterminate and determinate because I'm old school. I do too, but. When I'm talking to just regular folk, I say pole and bush because it makes a lot more sense. I don't talk to regular folk. (laughs) You don't talk. Yeah, yeah. Except me. So (laughs) I do, you you ask, when I'm looking at tomatoes now and I, it seems like after all these decades of gardening, I'd have this all figured out, but I'm looking for more disease resistance every year because it just seems that that's more of a problem. And I, I love that Midnight Snacker, it's called. Midnight Snack, I think. It's an All-America selection. I grew that. That was really good. Those dark, dark tomatoes. Mm-hmm. I tend to like those quite a bit. Oh, I do too. I In fact, I went to, I think it's Casabella 
farms. And I'm just saying off the top of my head, so I might be wrong. But it's the lady who she does just weird tomatoes, you know, like weird, beautiful, gorgeous tomatoes. I got into her seed sale and I bought five packets, which her packets are yeah. tiny. Like you get five yeah. seeds or 10, and what, but that's all you need of tomatoes anyway. So I bought five packets of seed from her and I will be growing those, but I will also grow some hybrids because, you know, sometimes heirlooms don't love my weather. Yeah. And I would say heirlooms don't like a lot of people's weather. And so if you're starting out, don't be afraid of hybrids. People think hybrids are bad. No, they're not bad. They're just the crosses of two mm-hmm. plants. Look look for those that have the most disease resistance that you can find. But it's okay to mix in a few others, but just know that tomatoes get yucky looking. But I And by the way, hybrids are not GMOs. They are not GMOs. There's a totally no. different thing. And so and a lot of the hybrids are coming out with these really cool colors too. Now tell me about that. I mean, tell our listeners about that tomato you sent me a picture of. Well, it showed up on Instagram, I believe, and it's from oh Baker Creek gosh. Heirloom Seeds, and it's called Royal Purple. And unless they put some weird filter on this thing, this was a purple. I don't think this they did. was a purple tomato. And they said they hope to offer it in 2024. And I thought, hope to. Don't show stuff like that unless you've got seeds in hand. And we should explain this. This tomato is purple from skin all the way through its oh, flesh, yeah. and it is a dark purple like i can't even think of what the color is it's so beautiful it's like it a royal, royal purple yeah it's the most beautiful purple and i i looked at it and then i followed the link and they had a whole video of a guy with it so i don't i don't think it's fake no i don't think so but they wouldn't do that anyway they're super they're super good about being pretty truthful about things and i'm doing a search on their site no results that's that's bad it's not there yet. Nope. It's just not there and yet. And so it's like, we'll geez, every, so it depends on how many seeds they do get. Do we have to look every day to see if they've got any royal purple? So I would say there's a trend going on right now in vegetables. There's a trend in flowers too, but it's a different trend and it's been going on for a while. And that I would call that the wedding trend. All of the wedding florists wanted to have certain colors for weddings. And I get it because we just did one. And... Now in tomatoes and lots of vegetables, there's a trend toward the weird and wacky, like the cooler, more beautiful, ornamental, you can make something the better. Hey, D, I think we've got yeah. the name wrong. I don't think it's royal Uh-oh, purple. I better go back. Should I give the secret name? It? Because. <laughs> go ahead. And okay. Give it. So here's the situation. It's called Purple Galaxy. Well, why did we think it was? I have no idea because I wrote that in there. And it says. Maybe that's how it was described. It says. Purple Galaxy. Seed available in early 2024. Now, I have a bit of bad news. It's out of stock and it says, sorry, in stock alerts for this product have been turned off. So you can't even get notified that it's in stock. So they must have gotten so many people that said, tell me when you got it, that they know they're going to sell out their seed supply. They so. are. It's just like last year, six minutes on those sunflowers. It's the same thing. Weird, wacky, cool. So, but here's the deal. If it does well and people like it and it grows well, then it will be, there will be more of them next year yes. in 2025. You can add it to your wish list. 
if you want, but I don't know that that's going to get you anything. You know, I've got enough from whoever it is that I bought tomatoes from. Let me go check. You, you talk. Okay. You, you go. I don't know what I'm supposed to talk about. I'm all gaga over this thing. I'm going to change our notes to change the name of it. Anyway, where'd you go, D? I'm right here. I'm looking at my seed keeper, which I love, by the way. Anyway. I'm so glad I organized them this way. Aha. Tomatoes. It came out really fast. Here we go. Where are my little tomatoes from that lady? Anyway, I'm going to say that I had a fair tomato year this year because between the animal that kept biting into every single big tomato and the dryness and stuff and the slow start, I got mostly cherry tomatoes. I finally got a few bigger tomatoes later in the season, but it was not. I would not say that this was the year that the counter's full of tomatoes, unfortunately. Next I had, year. I had about a two-week period that things were full, but then it and it landed, you know, went off. I went, I'm glad I went and looked. Okay. So it's Carmel Bella Farm. Maybe she lives in Carmel, California. And she's the one who always does all the beautiful pictures on Instagram. And I got this one packet in the mail and I was like, I know I ordered more than that. Well, inside that one pretty packet were all of these little packets. Very tiny packets. packets. Very tiny packets. And I have plenty, so I do not need to worry about Purple Galaxy because I have my own. I have Kaleidoscope Jewel, Crushed Heart, Hillbilly, Thorburn's Terracotta, which I've grown before, Aurora Blue, and Sergeant Peppers. I've heard of Hillbilly and maybe Aurora Blue. Yeah, the Hillbilly ones are often often trace their lineage back to Daryl Merrill, but because he used to do a lot of hillbilly stuff because he liked to pretend he was a hillbilly. Anyway. So what else do you want to say about tomatoes, D? Nothing. Okay. Well, that's, this is going to be a long and we're sorry. Okay. Let's, let me do a quote and let's talk about the books we really enjoyed in the past 52 episodes. Embrace uncertainty. Some of the most beautiful chapters in our lives won't have a title until much later. Bob Goff, born in February 22nd, 1959. He's an American lawyer, speaker, and author of the New York Times bestselling books, Love Does, and Everybody Always. Currently works with Love Does, so, which is formerly known as Restore International, a nonprofit organization. I don't know what they do, but we don't know what they do, but we loved the quote. And does anybody see a theme in this? Embrace uncertainty. Yes. Don't try to be perfect. All right. Our top three books of the year, but we actually have four. Gardening Can Be Murder by Marta McDowell. Wonderful yes, book. I, I love every Marta book. And she just finds such an interesting topic. And, and that is still like the guide for going and doing a winter's worth of reading of mysteries with a garden theme or with a gardener. So hats off to Marta on a wonderful book. Yes, it was. I mean, all of her books are fabulous. I'm turning the calendar to November. Okay, so the next one is The Story of Flowers and How They Changed the Way We Live by Noel Kingsbury, which I like anything by Noel. I think he's he's brilliant and he knows his stuff. And this was just a great read and it would make a great gift book. So would Gardening Can Be Murder. And I like about this Um, is, of course, I love the history of all this stuff. And he goes through the history of these flowers. I love the illustrations. They're beautifully done. It's beautifully illustrated. And you can 
pick any flower, not any flower, but quite a few flowers, dig in there and you'll get some very interesting mm-hmm. information. And it might cause you, then, like me, to grow something like stocks that I've never grown before because I read about them. I love stocks. They smell good. And then I picked the 30-Minute Gardener, Cultivate Beauty, Joy, and Gardening Every Day by Greg Glodes, because I liked the idea of spending 30 minutes a day gardening to keep your, you know, and being outdoors. And I loved a lot of what he had to say about the philosophy of gardening, which is don't rely on perfection, find those little perfect moments, things yes. like that. I mean, he he's a he's a good writer. And then you said, hey, don't forget the cottage garden by Klaus Dalby, I says. And it is a wonderful. That is like a travel log to take you around the world to sweet little cottage gardens. And, you know, kind of ties into last week we talked about adding vintage items to your garden. That is cottage garden. And he does a marvelous job of taking you to all over the world to see those things. I love that book. Me too. So those are our books. Those are our books. So when I said, let's talk about our top books. Now, this is what we can remember. There are other books we probably can't. But the funny thing was, the first thing you said was, oh, Tropical Plants and How to Love Them by Marianne Wilburn. And I'm like, dude, that was two years ago. So sorry. I still like that book a lot. I still like that book a lot, too. But I'm like, and I like Marianne, too. We need to move on from it. Yeah, we need to. Keep it in your library. It's it's a good. And she's been writing some great stuff online, too. I mean, she wrote a really cute piece on Garden Rant recently. And then you told me to be sure and read my latest American Gardener because she had a whole in defense of horticulture column, which she won an award for. Yeah. So her latest, and I think this is the last column, in defense of gardening. And she talked about social media and how new gardeners especially see perfection on Instagram or that TikTok. I don't do TikTok. And then they think they failed. Plus, they get Mm -hmm. into doom scrolling and spend too much time. And the and the reason you should read it is because she quoted me in there. Oh, she quoted you? Yeah, that's nice. Yes. Oh, that's nice. It's a big giant time suck. That's what Instagram is. Well, but yes. I do try to put quality information up there. You are myself. different. Yes, I am trying to be different, and I try to be really honest about everything. Yes, I'm, and the recent one I did was on the spice bush. Yeah. Well, she had a post where she showed she's doing garden cleanup, and she showed like a picture with some boots and a little pumpkin on a you know a vintage hand tool and doing my garden cleanup and then she did and this is what it really looks like so you know it's it's interesting it's funny okay so you want to do the next quote you do it there are two ways to get enough one is to continue to accumulate more and more the other is to desire less and that's from Gilbert K. Chesterton. And we did not look him up, but he is a very famous Catholic writer. And he wrote the Father Brown series, but he wrote a bunch of other stuff too. And he writes it under G.K. Chesterton. And I think he's one of the most brilliant yes. men who ever lived. He also wrote, and that was another blog post I did a couple of weeks ago, about a, a fairy thread of common sense. And that's how he describes common sense. It's, you know, it's, Hard to catch sometimes. It is. Hard to and see. it seems like that more and more lately. So our dirt this week is Asian versus American ladybugs. This is the time of year where ladybugs start coming into your house and you're like, why? Why on earth would you all be doing this? 
And then on top of that, this is also the time of year that if you search about this online, you're going to see a bunch of exterminators who write about the the dreadful Asian ladybug and how it's invasive and it bites and be afraid, be afraid. Do you need to be afraid, Carol? You do not need to be afraid. In fact, two things happened this week. I sent you this meme that I saw where somebody said (laughs) ladybugs are the perfect insect. Don't bite or sting. They are. Make you feel less lonely when you're lonely, less sad. And they eat aphids too, which is, I don't know. But then you said- It's cute. That would be the native ladybugs. The Asian ladybugs are Asian lady beetles. And there's a Family Handy Barn article that I did not write. Someone else wrote it that talks about the difference between the two. Yeah. Asian ladybugs are the ones that are more likely to try to swarm inside your house. Yeah, the other ones don't. No. And so... And they do bite. I'm not going to lie. They do bite. I've been bitten by one. Did it hurt real bad? No, it didn't. I was helping a friend with a really huge overgrown rose. And there were, of course, because of aphids, there were these ladybugs in there. And one of them landed on my chest and she bit me. I mean, it felt like a little pinch. So they they won't hurt you. Yeah, They're not like other beasties out in the garden. And the recommendation, if you get some inside your house, is just to get them outside. You know, if there's one or two, like I went to make some hot tea and there was a ladybug on top of the tea kettle. And I'm like, you don't belong there. So I, yeah. I put it outside. But if you get a whole bunch of like the Asian that are trying to get in, maybe they're all inside a windowsill or whatever, you just get out the vacuum cleaner right. and suck them up. Suck them up. And there are different types of lady beetles too. I'm sure there's another Family Handyman article that talks about the different native ones. The Asian ones, I think, have little white dots on their heads. And I that's think. how you own the thorax. I, you know, I'll be honest, I didn't look that up that hard. If you want to look it up, there is a Family Handyman article that Carol did not write that is about the differences between the two. And honestly, we're inundated with the Asian ones and they're going to always be here because they brought them over for control of aphids in the early 20th century. So can I just say in the early 20th century, <laughs> people did a lot of things that, and, and they were experts, <laughs> did a lot of things and brought a lot of creatures over here that I wish they had just left in their home country. But things happen. And also because of trade, Things happen. People brought these over on purpose. Then there's plants they brought in here on purpose. So, yeah, it's. Yeah, the Eastern Red Cedar in Oklahoma. There was a really good piece on, actually on PBS, on OETA, which is our local station. And it was on their news hour. And my husband finally gets why I hate them so much, other than the fire that we just, you know, had in March. They explained how much water they take up in a client, you know, our climate is dry anyway, so we don't need them sucking up the water. And they were, they were planted here by the government as fence rows to windbreak. People say they're native to Oklahoma. Well, not exactly, but they're in it, but now they're invasive. And so it's a huge problem. Asian ladybugs. That's another one of those things. You're not going to ever get rid of them. And there's all kinds of other ones too that they brought over. What is that? Now they're bringing over something to try to get rid of the, I think the zebra mollusk, but you know what? God help us all. I'll do the next (laughs) quote. If you look the right way, you can see the whole world is a garden. Frances Hodgson Burnett. You know, she was an eternal optimist, wasn't she? She Frances. Because she had a hard life and it was not easy and bad things happened to her and she still 
wrote things like that. I have to admire that. What's your rabbit hole this week? So my rabbit hole was to figure out what the German cheese plant is. Have you heard of the German cheese plant? No. So I got this 1951 herbal catalog from a friend. (laughs) And I'm looking through it, and they got all these tea recipes. And one of them called for German cheese plant. I thought, what is that? That sounds gross for tea, but okay. And so, well, let me tell you that this was tea number 99, which was made to be a laxative. Just saying. Oh, okay. So when I Googled German cheese plant, I didn't get German cheese plant. So then I went out to books.google.com and I found a reference in a 1924 periodical that said they thought it was a a type of Malva, Malva rotundifolia. No. Okay. So to verify that, I went out and Susan Betts, the herbal lady up in Michigan, who wrote yes, herbal houseplants. I emailed her and I said, have you ever heard of a German cheese plant? And she sends me back this picture out of a book. So the book was from the 19, 1900, Nature's Garden. I can't pronounce the author's first name, but I thought I've seen that book. So I went, In your library. In your library. Well, it wasn't <laughs> in my database and it wasn't in the books oh, no. I thought I was going to give away. I thought, well, it can't mysteriously disappear. And then I realized there were more books in the back bedroom. And there, I have two copies of that book, one with the cover, one without. Anyway, the whole thing just ended up into a big pile of, hey, now I know what German cheese plant is. So I taught the internet. I put German cheese plant, I put a blog post out there so the internet would know. So the next poor person that picks up a 1951 herbal catalog Looks up the old teas, sees German cheese plant. Now they know it's a Malva. And the reason that they are called German cheese plants or cheese plants is because the Malvas have seeds that are shaped like little cheese wheels. Yeah, the seed head. And this is why this is why purists want us all to use botanical names yes. because this kind of confusion. Although sometimes botanical names are also confusing, but anyway. That's interesting. Yes. And so this episode comes out on the 9th, 8th. On the 9th, the National Garden Bureau is hosting several authors on a webinar, and it's open to the public, completely free. We'll put a link out there. Maybe put a link on our Facebook page if anybody wants to sign up. Susan will be there, and there are three other authors, and I think it'll be a nice time. So there you go. Your rabbit so, hole. So Malva rotundifolia, I just looked it up, is also known as Malva pusilla. Yes. And it is called the low mallow, small mallow, or round leaf mallow. Yes. Hence rotundifolia. And it is part, I don't, I mean, I get, it looks a lot like, I don't know, pelargoniums, which Malvas do, sort of. Yes, and it's naturalized across the United States, but it's not native here. It was actually native over in Europe. And so when we say naturalized, we mean that it isn't rude. So it's things that we don't like that come here that are irritating as I'll get out. We call those invasive. Exactly. And I mean, yeah, but if you're if you're not rude, then you're just naturalized. Exactly. (laughs) May we all be naturalized. So anyway, (laughs) that was my rabbit hole amongst many. That's a big one. Well, you know, and I went down a couple other ones, but let's, I'll save those for another week. How about your rabbit hole? 
Okay. So this is funny. So you wrote on my rabbit hole, we make notes on each other's notes and you wrote, isn't this your rabbit hole from last week? No, we did not do this last week on the show. You and I just talked about this extensively in a text back and forth. A whole I thought we talked them. about this. No, we didn't. I don't think so. But anyway, it was about John Darian and I ended up going down a giant rabbit hole of John Darian, not okay. just the mushroom platter, which I never did find. It's on eBay, but it's three times as much as it was at Target, which really irritates me. So I ended up buying his little vegetable tray instead, which is adorable. And I'm going to put carrots on it for Thanksgiving. But right now it's on my mantle because it's so pretty, right? Right. And then it turns out John Darian is a guy who does paper mache. And what's that other decoupage. thing called? Thank you, decoupage. I was trying to do the motion. He does decoupage and he opened a really cool place in New York City in 1989. And his stuff looks vintage and his stuff costs a whole lot of money. So if you can find John Darian for Target at the Target store, which they do a deal with him, I think a couple of times a year, it's a lot less expensive, but you still get these really cool designs, including he does a lot for Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, spring, stuff like that. That would be the entire year. That was the first one. (laughs) Well, I didn't say summer. Okay. So yeah. All right. So then. Okay, so I read Dracula because of Well Read Mom, my book club. And I was, and it was nothing like what I thought it was going to be. It's nothing like the movies. It's actually more, the emphasis is more on the team of men and and a woman who go to search out and get rid of Dracula because he's evil. That's really what it's about. Isn't it an epistolary novel? Isn't it written in letters? Yes, it's all written in letters and diaries. It's a little hard to read, but it's good. I love books written as letters and diaries. I I might try that sometime. So there were two things I noticed about it other than it was, what was that word? Apostolary or epistolary, however you say it. Epistolary. Epistolary. And it, and it is unusual in that respect because usually novels aren't written that way because it's too hard to keep the motion going, right? Because it stops every time you move from diary entry to diary entry. It's about 580 pages, so it's a long one. But I noticed two things. It's a really Catholic book written by an Anglican, which was interesting. Okay. The other thing I noticed is there's a lot of talk of plants in it. Not just garlic. We all know the garlic that Dracula and other vampires hate garlic. They don't like garlic blossoms either. They don't like hawthorn flowers. They don't like roses. They don't like tuberoses. And guess what else they don't like? You can say it. Well, I see it in the notes. Monkshood. Isn't that crazy? So yes. it just had a lot of a lot of information that he pulled from folklore in Romania and other places. And so he was a very educated man and very interesting. And it also has a lot. The one I read was it had a lot of notes that went with it. It was annotated. And so, you know, he made some scientific mistakes in it because, well, he's a Victorian. That's all I got to say about that. All right. Well, those are some interesting rabbit holes, I would say. (laughs) Garden commissions. What you doing next week? My only garden commission is to keep everything watered in the greenhouse and plant the garlic tomorrow on Saturday. I still have time because it's thawed back out and it's going to be in the 70s. So listeners, Dee's been wanting to plant that garlic for a couple of weeks, but there are a few tasks that I haven't quite gotten done either. More like a month. I got to do more. (laughs) It's been a month. (laughs) 
I'm going to do more cleanup. I'm going to do it in a more civilized manner, not like play beat the trash collector on Thursday morning. I'm going to harvest some microgreens, sow some more microgreens. And then I do need to plant some tulip bulbs that have not been planted. I just accepted a bid for tree work, but that's not going to happen next week, next week after that. So that's that's pretty much my week, and I'll mow. And what are you doing to your tree? They are doing a little crown cleaning and uplifting some of the branches so you can walk under them better. That's good. I like that when they do that. I am also going to do some cleaning up in the vegetable garden and the cutting garden. I'm going to get all that taken care of, and but I do not do cleanup in my perennial garden. And I actually am going to do a video on that for Instagram all by myself, where I walk around and show you why I don't do it. Because it's better. Exactly. All right. Well, that's this week's episode, the last of season five. We want to thank you for listening to The Garden Angelus. I hope you've hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. We publish every week on Wednesdays at 12 a.m. Eastern Time. If you listen to Apple Podcasts, we'd love a five-star review. That helps us get noticed by others. Could you also share our podcast with your friends? Word of mouth still helps people find out about it. And be sure and check out our show notes for links for more information about today's topics, plus links to our own websites. And subscribe to our Substack newsletter, the Garden Angelus at Substack.com, which is also linked to in our show notes. Carol writes it one week, I write it the next week. And if you do subscribe, you'll get a link to listen to the podcast a day early. And if you want to help support us, use those affiliate links. If you buy something after clicking through on them, we are in a small commission and it costs you nothing. Or you can set up a monthly subscription through Buzzsprout or make a one-time donation through PayPal. And we want to thank everyone who has done so because we can now produce this for free and it makes it easier on us. It was lovely to chat with all of you over the Garden Gate. Bye until next week. Bye, everybody.